You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, right here in Tulsa and Broken Arrow. Glad you've joined me for another week. I think this is like our eighth episode. I should probably go check that before I say something like that. But I think uh, we're a pretty good distance in. Here we are uh, in in the second week of ordinary time. We started here before Advent because we had uh, Christmas music all during Advent. So uh, we're doing uh, we're doing pretty well. You're still listening. You're still out there. Maybe we've got a growing audience. And if you are out there, if this is your first time to listen to the show, then I want to know uh, that you're out there. So you can do that a number of ways. You can go. Oh, I don't have a call in number. Uh, I, I am lacking a call-in number. But what I do have is social media. So if you go over to facebook.com slash step outside the walls, or on Twitter, our handle is at outside the walls, and just like the page there, follow me on Twitter, uh, and say hello. Just a quick little drop me a line. Hello, how you doing? Uh, and let me know that you are now a listener of Outside the Walls here on St. Michael Catholic Radio. I know that you're not a listener on any other radio station because we're not on any other radio station. So you here in South Tulsa and Broken Arrow, you are the only folks, you are the privileged few who get this show live. Uh, Everyone else has to go onto the website, uh, stmichaelradio.com, and then go to the blog section if they want to hear the show podcast. Uh, So you're the only ones that actually get to hear it on the radio. Don't you feel privileged? (laughs) So uh, drop me a line there on Facebook. Let me know you're listening so I can feel privileged to have you as my loyal listeners. Uh, We've got a lot of things we're going to cover today. Uh, As always, this first segment, we're just going to kind of let you you in on the secret of what the day is going to be like, give you some of my own thoughts. Uh, And then the second segment, we're going to go over the readings for Monday because this show first airs on Monday mornings at 7 a.m. And then we rebroadcast on Wednesdays at 5 and Thursdays at uh, at 7. So uh, we're going to go over the readings in that second segment of Monday from Mass. And then we're going to pick a a reading from church history out of the breviary, most likely. Most of the time it'll be out of the breviary. Uh, And... We'll do that from sometime during the week. And then uh, then the third segment, we get to talk about whatever it is I want to talk about. We pull out Verbum, which is a great program, verbum.com, to help you read the, the scriptures with the mind of the church. Uh, and so we've got that open. We're going to be talking today about the dignity of the human person in our third segment. So stick around. Lots of stuff to talk about. Of course, before we get into any of that, let's start off the show today with prayer. Today's prayer comes from the breviary uh, for the day. We're going to start with the intercessions from evening prayer and then close with the closing prayer from morning prayer. Let us praise Christ who loves, nourishes, and supports his church. With faith, let us cry out to him. Answer the prayers of your people, Lord. Lord Jesus, grant that all men be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. Answer the prayers of your people, Lord. Preserve our Holy Father, Pope Francis, and Edward, our Bishop. Come with your power to help them. Answer the prayers of your people, Lord. Remember those who long for honest work, so that they may lead a life of peaceful security. Answer the prayers of your people, Lord. 
Lord, be the refuge of the poor, their help in distress. Answer the prayers of your people, Lord. We commend to your care all bishops, priests, and deacons who have died. May they sing your praises forever around your heavenly throne. Answer the prayers of your people, Lord. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Almighty Father, you have brought us the light of a new day. Keep us safe the whole day through from every sinful inclination. May all our thoughts, words, and actions aim at doing what is pleasing in your sight. We ask this through our Lord Jesus Christ, your Son, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Amen. Well, this is going to be a really exciting week. Uh, We've got three buses going out to Washington, D.C., all of uh, college students and youth uh, driving out to Washington, D.C. for the National March for Life. Uh, This is a huge annual event. It's been going on for decades, and they have around 400,000 people converge on Washington, D.C. to stand in solidarity uh, with the dignity of the human person, even from conception. So this is a march uh, for for life, to, to pray for an end to abortion. Well, we do this kind of thing a couple of times a year. We have the, here in Tulsa, we have the uh, the 40 Days for Life prayer vigil. That goes on from September to, to November, approximately. And then we have every January 22nd, we send people out to Washington, D.C. for the National March for Life. But, you know, there's a lot more people in Tulsa than can fit on three buses. And so each year, uh, beginning in 2010, I think was the first year we did it here, we've done the Tulsa March for Life. It begins, it's a real short walk. You can, just about anyone can, can manage it. It starts right out in front of Holy Family Cathedral at 8th and Boulder. And we go south a block and over two blocks and up, I think, five blocks. Uh, and we end at Chapman Centennial Green uh, at Sixth and Main, so if you're thinking, man, that's a, that's a lot of blocks to walk. Well, it's really not that bad because once we get there, we listen to uh, a speaker, a couple of people give us some very encouraging uh, opportunities. They tell us uh, their own story. They encourages our hearts, but they also give us some practical things that we can do to step outside the walls. And of course, you know, I'm a fan of that because that's what this show is all about: getting our faith outside of the walls of the church, not losing our grounding. We're still grounded in our tradition and our history, but we're also going out to the edges. We are uh, meeting the culture where it is with the faith, with the beauty of our faith. And so we have uh, this opportunity to go out. We hear speakers. uh, They give us encouragement. They also give us a challenge. Uh, And then you don't have to walk that whole way back because we do this you. And so uh, it's only like a two two blocks back. So we, we walk about six blocks, seven blocks to get there, but it's only two, two and a half blocks to get back to your parking spot. So that's at least encouraging, right? So that is going to be on Thursday night. If you are listening to this on Thursday night, quit it. Stop what you're doing right now. We're, we're marching as we speak, if you're listening on Thursday, because seven o'clock on Thursday, uh, January 22nd, we're going to be out in front of the cathedral and we're going to be marching 
uh, for life. And we've got some great speakers, uh, local local leaders that are going to be a part of that. Um, so we have, what, 17 or so different organizations that have already signed up for sure to be there carrying banners uh, from all across the uh, the Christian spectrum. So there's not only Catholics are out there, but you've got uh, a Nazarene church that's going to be there. Victory Christian Center is going to be there. Uh, a couple of Anglican churches are going to be there. And we're going to stand together and say, you know, there's some doctrinal points that we don't agree on. There's a lot of things that we don't have in common. But what we do have in common is the belief that all people are created in the image of God. And by virtue of being made in the image of God, they have certain rights and dignity given to them by God. Uh, And so we're all going to stand out there in solidarity with one another, calling for an end to abortion, but also looking for opportunities that we can step up and make a difference in the life of those who are facing uh, choices that they never expected to face. I know there are a number of people out there. I grew up with them. I've, I've met some of them here in Tulsa who hope and pray that there would be some legislative magic switch that will suddenly rid the United States of the scourge of abortion. And I'm of the opinion that, that that's not the way it's going to happen. Uh, I think that legislation has its place. Uh, I think that it has done wonders uh, to limit abortions, but I don't think that legislatively we're in a place in our culture that it's ever going to end it. Now, I do think that we'll see the end of abortion, but uh, I think that a lot needs to be done on more than just one front. Uh, now, uh, I'm not I'm not discounting legislation at all, uh, because there are a number of excellent people who are uh, serving in the legislation who are helping with that. In fact, uh, a former legislator is going to come and be the speaker at the Tulsa March for Life this year, uh, Oklahoma Representative Rebecca Hamilton. So I do think that there is an important place for legislation. But I, I saw far too many people growing up who, who thought that all they needed to do to end abortion was to write another letter to their senator or to their uh, representative. And, uh, you know, it's very important to write your senator and your representative, but that can't be all we do. There has, has to be multiple ways that we approach this. And there are all kinds of organizations that uh, are here locally that help with that. One thing is to be involved in prayer. We have the Garden of Hope right there across the street from Eastern Oklahoma's only abortion clinic, and it's open for prayer uh, all day long, every day, all, all year long. And so to go out there and, and pray while women are going into that place to try and solve their problem, knowing full well that it won't solve their problem, and praying that they would come to the knowledge of God that gives them the peace that passes understanding. Uh, I can't tell you how many people we have seen drive by and not pull into the parking lot, maybe drive by two or three times when we're out there praying, uh, because prayer makes a difference. There's also uh, people that go out there who have been trained to be sidewalk counselors. Uh, We do a sidewalk counselor training in the diocese probably uh, once a year. If that's something that interests you, you can contact us here at Outside the Walls because uh, I will make sure it gets to the right place. So you can find us on our social media and uh, say hello to me there on Facebook, facebook.com slash step outside the 
the walls. But then you can also donate your time, talent, your resources uh, to organizations like Catholic Charities or the uh, Birthright or Go Life Mobile Medical Clinic uh, that provide boots on the ground to interface with these women who are most often very frightened uh, and not sure what to do. And they help them make wise, life-affirming decisions uh, by providing medical support and providing other uh, material resources that they'll need in that stage of their lives. So I, uh, this is one of the things that we're dedicated to doing, not only as Outside the Walls, the radio show, but the, the Tulsa March for Life and the 40 Days for Life is to put more to our, uh, to our belief than just our words, uh, to make our belief basically militant in a very positive way. Uh, we want to go out with boots on the ground and provide hope and healing and peace. So come find out more of what we're doing here in the Tulsa area regarding life. Uh, come and be encouraged. Come and find opportunities. And come and see who all is involved in this. We are a broad group of people. Like I said, we've got at least 17 organizations that are going to be out there standing in unity for life. So the, the Mass at Holy Family Cathedral is being said by Bishop, uh, and it will be at 5.30. And immediately after the Mass, we're all going to go out into the street. We're going to find the organization that we're marching with. Uh, maybe you don't know anyone there. That's all right. You just get adopted by one of the other organizations that will be marching that day and just march with them. And so right after Mass, uh, we're going to go out into the street, get with our organizations, uh, and get ready to march. Bishop will come out on the steps uh, to kind of give us the invocation, uh, uh, some initial words of encouragement, and then we'll march right about 7 o'clock, about six blocks over to Chapman Centennial Green, where we'll hear Representative Rebecca Hamilton. When we come back, we'll approach the scriptures with the readings of the day, and we'll read the introduction to the devout life by St. Francis de Sales, and then we'll talk a little bit more about the dignity of the human person and all the implications that come along with that. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa, Broken Arrow. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM in Tulsa and Broken Arrow. Glad to have you back. Well, today's readings, January 19th, if you are listening on Monday when this show first airs, uh, comes, our first reading comes from the, uh, the book of Hebrews, chapter 5. Brothers and sisters, Every high priest is taken from among men and made their representative before God to offer gifts and sacrifices for sins. He is able to deal patiently with the ignorant and erring, for he himself is beset by weakness and so for this reason must make sin offerings for himself as well as for the people. No one takes this honor upon himself but only when called by God, just as Aaron was. In the same way, it was not Christ who glorified himself in becoming high priest, but rather the one who said to him, You are my son. This day I have begotten you. 
just as he says in another place, you are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. In the days when he was in the flesh, he offered prayers and supplications with loud cries and tears to the one who was able to save him from death, and he was heard because of his reverence. Son though he was, he learned obedience from what he suffered. And when he was made perfect, he became the source of eternal salvation for all who obey him. The responsorial psalm today comes from Psalm 110. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord said to my Lord, Sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The scepter of your power, the Lord will stretch forth from Zion. Rule in the midst of your enemies. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Yours is princely power in the day of your birth in holy splendor. Like the day star, like the dew, I have begotten you. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. The Lord has sworn and he will not repent. You are a priest forever, according to the order of Melchizedek. You are a priest forever in the line of Melchizedek. Today's gospel comes from the gospel of Mark, chapter 2. The disciples of John and the Pharisees were accustomed to fast. People came to Jesus and objected, Why do the disciples of John and the disciples of the Pharisees fast? But your disciples do not fast. Jesus answered them, Can the wedding guests fast while the bridegroom is with them? As long as they have the bridegroom with them, they cannot fast. But the days will come when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and then they will fast on that day. No one sews a piece of unshrunken cloth on an old cloak. If he does, its fullness pulls away. Then you from the old and the tear gets worse. Likewise, no one pours new wine into old wineskins. Otherwise, the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the skins are ruined. Rather, new wine is poured into fresh wineskins. That's the gospel according to St. Mark, uh, chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. Now, we have enough time uh, in this segment, because the readings were a little short today, that I'm, I'm going to get a little uh, theologically geeky on you. And I, I've pulled out verbum, uh, we've opened it up, and we've typed in Melchizedek. Now, the reason that I get so, so excited about Melchizedek, uh, he's kind of one of those uh, mysterious persons of the Bible. He shows up just a couple of times, but often enough that, uh, that it bears mystery. He's not just one of those those people that appears once and then they're gone. It's like, oh, he was just an extra. No, Melchizedek is central uh, to even our doctrine of the priesthood now. He's central to uh, to the person of Christ and to the person of David. And, and he's central in the life of Abraham. In Genesis 14, we have this story of Abraham uh, just completing a battle. And he's victorious, and then all of a sudden, out of the middle of nowhere, without any fanfare or any uh, any prelude, here comes Melchizedek. He's the king of Salem, which is the city that becomes Jerusalem. And he brought out bread and wine and blessed Abraham. And 
he was a priest, it says, of God Most High. The Hebrew word for that is El Elyon, and it's one of the Hebrew names for God. So here we have this priest who is a king, who is a priest of God at a time when only Abraham and his family believed in the one true God. So, so who is this person? And the name Melchizedek gives us a clue. It's kind of a play on words in the Hebrew. It's a combination of two words, Melchizedek. And so Melchizedek means king of righteousness. So I just, I, I kind of like that. I, 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 I wonder if perhaps it's theophany. Now, I've have no commentaries to back me up on that. And maybe historians would say I'm completely wrong, but there's definitely some kind of a picture that there's more than meets the eye to Melchizedek. So here we have this non-Jewish, because there was no Jewish at this time. It was just Abraham's family. We have this outsider foreigner king who is serving as a priest of the most high God uh, before Abraham, the, the receiver of the covenant. Later, David appropriates that role of priest and king, and we see that coming through uh, around Psalm uh, 110, uh, and it says the order of Melchizedek. Of course, that was our responsorial today. And of course, the order here means in succession to, meaning that, that uh, David and then later Christ assumes the status and function of Melchizedek. And so then, of course, we have Christ, who himself is a priest, according to the order of Melchizedek, king of righteousness. Uh, and we see that in the book of Hebrews. So I, that's completely free of charge. That has nothing to do with the rest of the show today. But the readings dealt with Melchizedek, and he's one of my favorite uh, persons in the Bible, even though we don't know a whole lot about him. Well, that little bunny trail doesn't leave us with a whole lot of time for today's reading from church history. But this comes from the Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. When God the Creator made all things, he commanded the plants to bring forth fruit, each according to its own kind. He has likewise commanded Christians, who are the living plants of his church, to bring forth the fruits of devotion, each one in accord with his character, his station, and his calling. I say that devotion must be practiced in different ways by the nobleman and by the working man, by the servant and by the prince, by the widow, by the unmarried girl, and by the married woman. But even this distinction is not sufficient, for the practice of devotion must be adopted to the strength, to the occupation, and to the duties of each one in particular. Tell me, please, my Philothea, whether it is proper for a bishop to want to lead a solitary life like a Carthusian, or for married people to be no more concerned than a Capuchin about increasing their income, or for a working man to spend his whole day in church like a religious, or, on the other hand, for a religious to be constantly exposed like a bishop to all the events and circumstances that bear on the needs of our neighbor. Is not this sort of devotion ridiculous, unorganized, and intolerable? Yet this absurd error occurs very frequently. But in no way does true devotion, my Philothea, destroy anything at all. On the contrary, it perfects and fulfills all things. In fact, if it ever works against or is inimical to anyone's legitimate station and calling, 
then it is very definitely false devotion. The bee collects honey from flowers in such a way as to do the least damage or destruction to them, and he leaves them whole, undamaged, and fresh, just as he found them. True devotion does still better. Not only does it not injure any sort of calling or occupation, it even embellishes and enhances it. Moreover, just as every sort of gem cast in honey becomes brighter and more sparkling each according to its color, so each person becomes more acceptable and fitting in his own vocation when he sets his vocation in the context of devotion. Through devotion, your family cares become more peaceful. Mutual love between husband and wife becomes more sincere. The service we owe the prince becomes more faithful, and our work, no matter what it is, becomes more pleasant and agreeable. It is therefore an error, and even a heresy, to wish to exclude the exercise of devotion from military divisions, from the artisan shops, from the courts of princes, from family households. I acknowledge, my dear Philothea, that the type of devotion which is purely contemplative, monastic, and religious can certainly not be exercised in those sorts of stations and occupations. But besides this threefold type of devotion, there are many others fit for perfecting those who live in a secular state. Therefore, in whatever situations we happen to be, we can and we must aspire to the life of perfection. That comes from the Introduction to the Devout Life by St. Francis de Sales. So this is probably a good time to ask, what are your devotions? How do you live out your devotional life outside of just going to Mass on Sunday mornings? Uh, for me, I am part of the, the diaconate aspirancy class here in the Diocese of Tulsa. Uh, I think we've got nine years left to go. Uh, but one of the things that we're doing in our aspirancy class is we're beginning to, to pray the Liturgy of the Hours. It's one of the reasons that we uh, rely on it so heavily here on the show is because I've just been really introduced to it and uh, I've just begun to understand it and all of its beauty and its fullness. Uh, and so that's one of the ways that I am learning to live out my devotional life. But there's all kinds of different ways. And of course, uh, St. Francis de Sales just told us as much. Uh, but what do you do? Do you do some Lectio Divina? Do you pray the Liturgy of the Hours? Do you have some other devotion? Uh, why don't you come and participate in the conversation on social media? Come tell me what your devotional life is like by visiting facebook.com slash step outside the walls or on Twitter. Our handle is at outside the walls. And why don't we give this one a hashtag? It'll make it easier to find. So tell me what your devotional life is and then give it the hashtag devout life. Uh, there's no spaces in that, just hashtag devout life. And let's have a conversation about all the myriad of ways that we live out the devout life of faith in Jesus Christ. When we come back, we're going to talk about the dignity of the human person, talk a little bit more about the upcoming Tulsa March for Life. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, Tulsa, Broken Arrow.
This is Father Joe Townsend from St. Benedict's in Broken Arrow, Oklahoma, and you are listening to Outside the Walls on 102.9 St. Michael Catholic Radio. Thank you, Father Joe, and welcome back to Outside the Walls. I'm Timothy Putnam. I'm your host for this hour-long morning show, or if you're listening on Wednesdays or Thursdays, evening show, uh, and just glad to have you here. Today we're talking about the dignity of the human person. And of course, one of the ways that we express that and that belief is through our activity uh, standing for the rights of the unborn. Uh, we've got the Tulsa March for Life coming up on January 22nd. Uh, also, the National March for Life is going on in Washington, D.C. Uh, the buses are going to leave uh, pretty pretty soon here. Uh, we've got three buses going out there taking our youth and uh, college students out to the National March for Life. But there's marches like this all over the United States. Uh, there's one in L.A., there's one in San Francisco, of course, D.C., here in Tulsa, and another one in Dallas. There, there are marches all over where people are coming together, uh, marking the anniversary of the Supreme Court decision on Roe versus Wade, uh, and then calling really all people to recognize the sanctity of human life. Something going on, uh, it began two days ago, began on Saturday, uh, is the Nine Days for Life. It's a novena being done uh, by the United States Conference of Catholic Bishops, the USCCB. Uh, and it's an online novena. If you're not able to, to go out to D.C., this is a way to participate uh, in a national effort. So the way to participate in that is to go online to www.9daysforlife.com. That is the number nine, days for, the word for, life.com. Nine days for life.com. And uh, they've got different prayers there. You can, you can get it in your email. There's an app uh, that you can participate in, or you could just do it through PDF online. Uh, and just encourage you to join with others all around the country uh, in that prayer. Of course, we've also got the, the march uh, on Thursday. We talked about that in the first segment, and I'd love to have you out on Thursday night. We'd love to see you there uh, marching in solidarity. It's going to probably be a little bit cold, uh, but right now the weather uh, says it's going to be dry, so at least we have that. Keep praying for good weather, and maybe even pray for a little bit of warmth. But regardless of the weather, we're going to be out there and we're going to be marching. So today on here, we are talking about the dignity of the human person. And I, I've mentioned on here before that I uh, am a convert. I grew up in the Protestant church and the Methodist tradition. Uh, my wife grew up in the uh, kind of a non-denominational tradition. And we both came into the church together uh, not too many years ago. But one thing that we both shared is that we had both been active uh, in the, the pro-life movement and to some capacity growing up. Uh, so for me, uh, we would do the life chain every year uh, in my childhood, and we had a little walk for life in our area uh, that we got sponsors to sponsor us as we walked, and then we gave the proceeds to a local crisis pregnancy center. And so that was something that was very important to my family. And it's one of the things that actually aided in my conversion to the Catholic Church because of how active and consistent the Catholic Church is in dealing uh, with the issues of human dignity uh, and related to the unborn. 
But the issue of human dignity goes far beyond uh, just the issue of the unborn. And so as I became a Catholic and began to really hear more and more about human dignity and read the catechism and read uh, encyclicals on human dignity, I was really quite amazed at how broad a topic it really is. Uh, it comes down to the, the second command, the second great command of God, uh, that we're to love our neighbor as ourself. You know, the, the first command, of course, being love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And the second is like unto it. The second greatest is to love your neighbor as yourself. And out of that uh, command of God comes our view of human dignity. And it affects really the entirety of our worldview. It affects how we interact with humanity. Uh, it affects how we deal with the unborn. It affects how we deal with uh, the homeless and the poor and the alien. Uh, it affects, to some degree, it affects our view of uh, capital punishment uh, on contraception and conception. It affects how we view aging and death. And it affects how we respond to our ideological opponents. Uh, it, it demands that we love our neighbor as ourself. It demands that we treat one another uh, with charity and with, uh, with respect. You know, there's a, a statement by Soren Kierkegaard, uh, who said, when you label me, you negate me. And so I, something that I see uh, all over the place, specifically on social media, but, but really on, uh, you watch the news, if you uh, have a conversation with anyone, it's our propensity in the Western culture to ascribe labels. This person's a liberal, that person's a conservative, this person's a progressive, that person's uh, whatever it is. We have a label for them. And once we have a label for someone, we can seclude them off in that little corner and box. And we don't have to pay attention to them if that's not a box that, that we like. So we can put that box up on the shelf and then we don't have to actually engage with the person. Uh, and human dignity really requires that we see all people as first as people. Uh, and that's something that I, I fear that our culture is getting worse and worse at, that we see people as their ideas or we see people as their beliefs and we don't see people as people. Uh, the, of course, the dehumanization of the person uh, is at the heart of abortion. It's at the heart of a number of other issues uh, from euthanasia to capital punishment to the poor to the, uh, to the immigrant to abortion. Uh, once a person is no longer useful to us in this utilitarian worldview, uh, we, can, we can dispose of them. And so we see that very clearly with euthanasia and abortion, but it can happen less overtly uh, in our own hearts, where when we no longer have use for the person, we can dispose of them. Now, of course, ideologically, we're not disposing of them in the same, uh, in the same manner. We're not taking their life, but neither are we taking into account the person. The Catechism of the Catholic Church addresses this around paragraph 1700, and it says this, the dignity of the human person is rooted in his creation in the image and likeness of God. It is fulfilled in his vocation to divine beatitude. It is essential to a human being freely to direct himself to this fulfillment. 
By his deliberate actions, the human person does or does not conform to the good promised by God and attested by moral conscience. Human beings make their own contribution to their interior growth. They make their whole sentient and spiritual lives into means of this growth. With the help of grace, they grow in virtue, avoid sin, and if they sin, they entrust themselves, as did the prodigal son, to the mercy of our Father in heaven. In this way, they attain to the perfection of charity. So that first point there, I really want to draw out. The dignity of the human person is rooted in his creation, in the image and the likeness of God. And why I want to bring that out is growing up, it seemed to be um, really brought home that, and not necessarily by any individual person, uh, certainly not my parents wouldn't say this, uh, and yet somehow the message came across that the dignity, uh, the reason that we stood for the unborn is because the unborn were innocent. They, it was innocent life. They had not done anything. Uh, they deserved life. And by, uh, by contradiction, by the contrary to that, is that a person who had done something, of course, uh, didn't deserve life. Uh, and yet that's not what the Catholic Church teaches us based on what they've done or what they've not done, but they have dignity solely because they are created in the image and the likeness of God. It's the image of God in us that gives us our value and not our own virtue, not our own merit, uh, because as we are fully aware, our own merit isn't enough. Uh, who of us is not worthy of, of the death sentence in the book of Romans, Paul puts it this way, uh, all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. He also says that uh, the wages, the payment of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life. Uh, and so, of course, those are the, the scriptures that uh, Protestants often use to draw people into salvation. And it, it's no less true that we are all in need of a Savior. I think that it's just very important to realize that innocence has nothing to do with whether or not we have dignity. Uh, the person who has whittled their lives away and now lives in poverty on the street has no less dignity than the person who has devoted themselves to righteousness. Now, of course, that's a little foreign to us because we want to make value statements. We want to say that the person who has exhibited righteousness is somehow uh, better. And of course, the righteous life is the preferable life, but our righteousness or our unrighteousness has no bearing on our dignity. It has a bearing on a number of other things, but not on our dignity, because the dignity comes just by virtue of being made in the image and likeness of God. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio 102.9 FM. Welcome back to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM, right here in Tulsa and Broken Arrow. Just a little bit of time left together today, uh, and not nearly enough time to talk about such a diverse topic. Of course, we're talking about the dignity of the human person here today. 
And here in America, our political framework is really kind of divided out, uh, where the dignity of the human person is dissected and spread across the whole spectrum. So on one side, you have the dignity of the human person as it relates to uh, issues of life, uh, life and death. So that would be uh, abortion and euthanasia and embryonic stem cell research and that kind of thing. And then on the other side, you have uh, really more focus on issues of dignity relating to uh, poverty and quality of life. And, uh, and then there are some things about human dignity that don't get picked up by really either political party. And so we've got this dichotomy where we're forced uh, to choose one side of human dignity or the other, uh, all the while ignoring the things in the middle. And it really can't be separated out like that. Uh, we're called to receive the whole teaching of the church. Uh, in fact, you know, when I became a Catholic uh, at confirmation, I said, I believe and profess all that the Holy Catholic Church believes, professes, and teaches to be revealed by God. And so that really puts uh, an added bit of responsibility on me to when the church says something that doesn't fit my own worldview or framework, that I need to take a moment and really examine that and say, well, uh, what is required of me in this? And, and even if it's completely outside of what I have long believed, I at least need to take a look at it and examine it. Uh, and I need probably to look at it and examine it in a way that I haven't before, because the church is not presenting us with a list of uh, political uh, viewpoints and, and checklists that we have. To, it's not like a, a party platform that the church gives us. Uh, rather, she's proposing it to us out of a very theological framework, and, and I believe a very consistent theological framework, uh, that all of these issues are uh, intertwined and really inseparable. Now, that doesn't mean that because we focus on this issue over here, uh, we, we're all covered because it's seamless and we don't have to worry about the other issue. No, we, we are a people of the both and. That yes, uh, we can't say, oh, well, it's all connected, so I don't really have to worry about that. No, we, we really should be focused uh, on the dignity of the human person. And yes, that's going to play out in a number of different ways. And uh, there are a number of different issues that flow from that. Uh, but those are the, the symptoms. Those are the results of our belief about human dignity. And so that's where we have to start, is that we're made in the image of God. So that's going to affect how I interact with, uh, with someone I disagree with. It means that I have to be measured because they have dignity by virtue of being made in the image of God. And I have to respect that. Uh, even if I think that they are completely wrong ideologically, they are still a person made in the image and the likeness of God. And uh, so I have a responsibility to them. I have a responsibility to, uh, to proclaim the truth, to be sure, but I also have a responsibility to the person. Uh, and that's something that I think is, is sadly missing in our culture. We've lost the, the whole uh, concept of civil debate. Everything's become emotional. Uh, everything's emotionally driven. And so when something uh, grabs our emotions, uh, we just respond. We're a reactionary culture instead of a thoughtful culture.
And so uh, I really, uh, I think that that's something that we as Catholics have got to lead the way in reclaiming, is to take principled stands uh, that are logically consistent, uh, but that above all uh, are presented in charity. They're presented with this understanding uh, that each person is to be respected. Maybe we don't respect the opinion, but we respect the person just by virtue of their human dignity. You know, I've seen this play out recently uh, with people who have been disconcerted by some of the things that Pope Francis has been saying, uh, whether it be about a non-negotiable of the faith or whether it be about something which people of goodwill may uh, have different opinions on. Uh, within the faith, because certainly there are a number of things, even relating to human dignity, where there are legitimate differences of opinion, and the church has not said definitively one way or the other what must be held. Uh, but something that I've seen recently that really is troublesome to me is uh, this discounting, this uh, this labeling and dismissal of anything that the Pope says that we don't agree with. Maybe it doesn't fit with our worldview. Maybe it doesn't fit with our political party. Uh, and so we say, oh, well, we don't have to pay attention to that. Uh, and, you know, that just really concerns me. Uh, I look at the Catechism of the Catholic Church, paragraph 87, and it says, Mindful of Christ's words to his apostles, he who hears you hears me. The faithful receive with docility the teachings and directives that their pastors give them in different forms. And, you know, that that's something that is very important, specifically as we're looking at this issue of human dignity, which is so broad, that there are some things that we're not going to, to believe, and yet uh, we still have to, when it's said to us by our bishops or by the Pope, we still need to approach it and look at it and weigh it and examine our consciences and really chew on it and maybe try to look at it from a different angle and say, what, what are they seeing that I'm not seeing? Rather than simply saying, oh, well, that's liberal or that's conservative and I don't have to pay attention to that. No, the church is giving us a full meal of faith and uh, we can't just choose the dessert, right? We can't just choose uh, our favorite uh, entree. There, there are a number of things that we must really incorporate into our faith, uh, and they're all based on those two primary commandments, to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and the second like unto it, to love your neighbor as yourself. Of course, this is a controversial topic. If you want to weigh in on that, why don't you come over to social media to facebook.com slash step outside the walls or Twitter at outside the walls. Of course, that's all the time we have for today, but we've got a lot more for you next week. Uh, Monday morning, 7 a.m., Wednesdays at 5 p.m. and Thursdays at 7. You're listening to Outside the Walls with Timothy Putnam on St. Michael Catholic Radio, 102.9 FM. Tulsa and Broken Arrow. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see you next week.